You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati marhaban bikum fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hello, I'm Zanele Butelezi sitting in for Bridget Mutambirwa. Welcome to China Africa Talk. In this episode, we are talking about the G20 summit in Bali, Indonesia, and we look at whether the African Union will finally be admitted as a permanent member. We speak to the African Union ambassador to China, Rahmatullah Mohamed Osman, who tells us why it's important for the African Union to become a permanent member of the G20. We are asking for a full membership for not only simply because we ask for it, but it is in the benefit of the international and global economy. African Union is has a membership of 55 countries. Later, Liu Jiuqin, senior fellow at the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies at Renmin University, talks about the importance of the G20 summit in addressing current global crises. Our vision that. Uh, This summit could come to another unified commitment. Try best to help those poorest countries. The African Union is pushing for a seat in the G20, as well as effective joint action in tackling climate change and global economic crises. As leaders meet in Bali, Indonesia, the G20 summit is a gathering of 20 economies. to discuss economic and trade issues that are facing the world. South Africa is the only African country that is a full-time member of the G20, while the AU, unlike the European Union which is also a member, attends on invitation. The bid already has the backing of several countries including South Africa, China and the hosts Indonesia. What would a seat in the G20 mean for the African Union as well as the African continent? We speak to the African Union ambassador to China, Rahmatullah Mohamed Osman. I asked him about the effectiveness of the previous efforts to help countries recover from the pandemic. I think we need a sort of a restructuring of the international financial system. It's not only just peanut uh, decisions which will definitely make no change in, uh, in the, for the economies of the developing countries i think this will lead to the question of our call for the developing countries call since the 70s for a new international economic order it's just i mean we have to we have to dig deep into the solutions for this problem not only just like this is ball peace solutions like the suspension of which it doesn't affect uh, the majority of the of the so even the britain wood institutions themselves they need to be restructured this is why we are we in the developing countries and in africa per se we are happy with the emergence of these new uh, blocks like the the brics for instance which is in a so in a way it is a sort of this demand for a new international economic order because definitely the BRICS has its own trajectory for dealing with the international uh, uh, financial scene and it is in favor of the developing countries so we hope but uh, 
I mean, when you look to the insistence of the advanced countries, especially the G7 countries, and not willing to pay what is even agreed upon in different international fora, starting from the 0 0.7 that they should uh, from their uh, GDPs to, to be to assist the developing countries, that what is now is almost three or four decades since that decision was was adopted. But it's not uh, even if you talk recently about the impact of of the uh, environment on the developing countries and their economies. Unfortunately, we in Africa, for instance, we are suffering from the impact of this environment. Although we have not contributed, it is, it is estimated that the share of Africa in this uh, environment is only 3%. But still, we are facing the difficulties of this environment and the developed countries, or the, we can use the term rich countries, they are not willing to help despite the fact that they agreed that uh, assistance should be given to mitigate the impact of the... Uh, so these are the issues which I think which should be dealt deeply and not just in a very superficial way. So you are talking about the shift that is taking place right now, and I'm wondering how do you think the shift that is shaping up around the BRICS, I mean, you see more countries wanting to join BRICS, major countries that want to join BRICS. What is the African Union's response to this? Does the African Union believe that this will help Africa develop even better and have better trade relations with other partner countries such as China and others that wish to join hands with Africa and help the continent develop. Yeah, for sure. But this leads me again to that we have to deal with the issue squarely. I mean, not only uh, in piecemeal solutions. So the African Union believes that in the re the, 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 the in-depth solutions for the problem facing the developing countries. If it is debt, if it is environment, now, even this COVID-19, I mean, we are facing from it and still we are asking for, it has to be collectively dealt with. I mean, it's not for one country or two to, to deal with it. China, for instance, is helping us in Africa since the eruption of this uh, pandemic, but still I think the issue is should be globally dealt with, not only for certain countries. So the same for the all the problems which we are facing in our economic development, it has to be dealt with in a global manner and uh, to take into consideration the realities of our economies. For instance, Africa has its own trajectory. That is, uh, we have our blueprint of the Agenda 2063, which encompass all what we envisage and what we aspire to have for Africa. This one, we need others to help us for instance, such a meeting like the G20. If we are partner, strong partner, not only just a guest, we would have presented this in order because we need financing for our own projects and the development of Africa will in turn is it in the benefit of the global economy. It's not only for, for Africa. There has been a push for the AU to be accepted by the G20 as a full-time member instead of having just one country, South Africa, as the only country that stands for a continent that is not a monolith when it comes to issues. So at this conference or this summit, is this something that is also being pushed for the AU to become a full-time member of uh, the G20? First of all, South Africa is not in this forum or the G20 as a representative of Africa. 
it is for its own merit. I mean, satisfying the criteria of being a member of the G20. But thanks to South Africa, when issues related to Africa were discussed within the G20, they definitely raise the concern of African continent. But we are asking for a full membership for not only it is a uh, simply because we ask for it, but it is in the benefit of the international and global economy. African Union is, has a membership of 55 countries and it has about 20% of the world population. We are now 1.3 billion inhabitants. It is estimated that within 2050, will, this number will be doubled. So this will have definitely an impact on the international economic system. So this is one of the reasons that we should be now we are with the creation of the Africa Free Trade Area. We are the, considered as the eighth block, economic block in the world. So this should not be, I mean, as such an organization should not be, I mean, sidelined in such forums. This is why we are asking for it. And there is a precedent. It's not only countries are members of the G20. European Union is a member the full member, despite the fact that there are three members from the European Union as members in the G country, in the G20, like Germany, France, uh, uh, UK. So these are members, despite that, is still the, Afri the EU is a member, is a full member of the G20. Now, and Indonesia uh, is advocating for having uh, AU as a member, a full member of the G20, and China already the uh, President Xi Jinping declared that his support to the African Union being a member of the G, uh, G20. We hope that this will, be ha will happen and uh, because it is in the benefit not only for Africa, but also it's in benefit. The world also needs Africa. It's not only Africa needs such forums. These forums also needs Africa. Should it be accepted, will it be able to represent and speak in one voice for all African countries? Yes because all the decisions of the African Union were adopted and by the head of states of the member states. All the decisions, so, and then the African Union is supposed to, to follow the implementation of those decisions. And on many issues we have a, uh, one voice, one stand on the international and global issues and internal issues as well. Now, looking at the challenges that we have right now, geopolitical tensions as well as socio-economic challenges, those challenges require unity and uh, stronger action from platforms such as the G20. Are you hopeful that we will get serious action? If they managed to avoid the geopolitical issues to overshadow the meeting, then they can bring some because I mean the experience of the G20 is definitely very uh, useful and it is needed if you take the example of the first meeting of the G20 in 2008 at the crisis at the crisis at that time the economic crisis it is only the G20 which managed to solve that problem so still it is the role its role is needed but if I mean, it is bogged into political uh, debate and issues and differences, then uh, it will be very difficult to expect that much will be achieved from the meeting. Mm. What is the African Union hoping for? We hope to be a member. Because being a member, this will give us the chance to uh, participate fully into the affairs. Because the summit is preceded by a lot of meetings 
for uh, organizing for the meeting. But since we are not members, we cannot uh, be... Uh, we don't know what's going on before the, the meeting. So when we come to the meeting, it's a sort, a sort of a ceremonial attendance, and it is not uh, uh, real, real uh, participation. So if we are members, then we can say what we want to do. That was His Excellency Rahmatullah Mohammed Osman, the African Union ambassador to China, with the AU's perspective on the G20 summit in Bali. For further analysis on what to expect from the G20 Leaders' Summit, we turn to Liu Zhichun, Senior Fellow at the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies, Renmin University. The G20 itself represents over 80% of the global economy. So what are the major issues that should be prioritized by the G20 leaders at the summit? I think the major focus point for this summit will be in two points or two challenges, as I always mention. The first is, of course, the, the battle against COVID-19. This is, should have a unified action taken by all countries, because for those countries, especially in Africa, they still need a lot of help and assistance from de developed countries for vaccination, for economic recovery, support, so, etc. And the second focus should be the climate change. As we know, this year and the last year, the climate change has played a really very important pressure on the development of the economy. So for all countries, they have headache of these two points, two, two questions. Of course, the other one for geopolitical tension is one of the another side topic will be discussed, but then not as a major point to be uh, negotiated. Now, looking back at the last two summits that took place, there were agreements, there were actions uh, agreed upon in terms of helping smaller countries or poor countries that were feeling the brunt of uh, COVID-19. But it seems like these efforts did not have that much of an impact. So what would you say has been the challenge here? I think here you raised a very important question and all, all countries, many people have the similar questions asking what's happening. Because many developed countries and state leaders, they promised too much, but uh, action too less. This is the point. I think the major uh, reason has two uh, signs of this uh, problem. One is the objective reason, the other is the subject. Object is that we should acknowledge that the, all countries now facing the major challenges, for instance, the energy price and the economic recession from in the Western countries. So they are facing also problem of the recovery pressure. So they don't or they wouldn't like to have more time or spare money or spare funds to support the poor countries. This is the uh, objective reason. But subject is that, as we always say that in the past four decades, five decades, even six decades, the developed countries promised really too much. But if we check the actions taken, they're really too less. That's, that's the problem. They always have some excuses to, to escape from their commitment. This is the major problem and uh, uh, uncertainty that they're facing the poor countries and the developing countries. 
But uh, only few countries like China, we always promise what, what we can do, and we always commit to what uh, we have committed to do. So this is a big difference. So this is a totally difference what we have seen and what we have heard from what the Western major economic uh, uh, doing or have been done. So we are wishing that uh, this summit could come to another unified commitment, try best to help those poorest countries. And all government, the central banks of the world should also do more that in concrete measures to help those poorest countries to get rid of this poverty. You are talking about China's efforts here. And we've also seen China being a strong advocate for multilateralism, global development and cooperation. So what do you think is the role of China in this summit here in Bali? I do like to say that China will play a key role in this summit in Bali, in Indonesia, as well together with the help of other countries, uh, the key countries in the world, for instance, some major European countries can do a lot to uh, work together with China, because China is always suggesting that uh, multilateralism. This is uh, indifferent with uh, unilateralism. So this will play together. I think, as we know, that 80% or 90% of the world countries that uh, still in favor of multilateralism. That means the cooperation, coordination, and exchange of views, and have close uh, uh, common ground to have a shared future in order to solve all these problems we are facing. This is the only way we can do. Because in the past four decades, the five decades, only the multilateralism can help the world to further develop. Unilateral will bring you to unilateral way to the end of the way is not a bright way. So we should say that the Chinese concept or the model of development will be supported and further recognized and further acknowledged by the major powers of the G20. Do you think the current geopolitical tensions and the push for protectionism by some countries will pose a serious challenge? Yes, I think so, because they still have their own market. As we know that, that uh, all these politicians in some countries, they are still marketing their concept, that is the protectionism. Of course, the, the so-called protectionism uh, globally the, that are confronted by the uh, society, because protectionism from its word that nobody agree with, but they changed the meaning of the protection. They will say that national security needs such protection. They have such a political excuse that means to against all the involvement of the other developing countries in their business area, in their economic development in their own country. So we should say that protection now have different forms and different representation, but the major in the Western countries, they are doing this with the so-called national security against the uh, uh, China and other developing countries to be involved in their own business. But I think that the major power and the athlete will see the real nature of the 
protectionism. Protectionism is only a unilateral uh, development concept. Is one selfish interest on the. Well, should say that this is not what we talking about uh, global cooperation. So protectionism has no way out at this moment, even from the vaccination. So this is what we are facing, the major concept, uh, how to say this uh, confusion caused by the Western countries. There is a push for the African Union to be represented or to be granted membership. And China is one of the countries that is backing this push along with South Africa, as well as uh, Indonesia. We've heard Indonesia making statements to this effect. So how important is it for the African Union to become a full member of the G20? Why is China backing this move? I have to say that uh, Africa is a long-term friend and a partner of China. And also, uh, uh, objectively, that uh, Africa is an important partner in the global community. Nobody can ignore the importance of uh, Africans' economic uh, situation. We know that uh, the natural resources and also from clean energy or the green development, we all need this, uh, um, the support and uh, assistance from the African side. But unfortunately, in the first, in the past four or five decades, because of the Western discriminations that uh, Africa is only one part of the real garden, not for, uh, not for developed, only for sightseeing for tourists when the people in Europe they are they are feeling boring and they come to Africa to Amer to Africa to find something strange in wild forests in wild wetland but uh, from concrete financial support the uh, European countries or Africa America didn't do too much so this is what we see that. The importance of Africa is really underestimated and ignored by some politicians in Western countries. Nowadays, I think it's becoming more important and people with the support of the internet and the information technology will know much better about Africa. We know how great potentiality of the, uh, this continent. So AU is, should be uh, regarded as important as EU. So if EU can be a full member of G20, there is no good reason to exclude AU out of the G20. This is a very important thing. This is a basic respect to the people, to the 1.4 billion people there. That's it for this episode of China-Africa Talk. Let me thank my guests, His Excellency Rahmatullah, Mohammed Osman, African Union Ambassador to China, and Liu Jiuchun, Senior Fellow at the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies at Renmin University. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others post it on social media or leave a rating and review. 
Thanks again. See you next time.